With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And before we get into things today, we definitely want to first take a second or two to apologize for not having a Football Friday show up last week like we told you guys we would. We certainly planned to. That was the idea. But Curtis and I, at the last second, we both just had some things come up. Life kind of just hit. And that kept us from recording that show. But we are going to do our best to make it up to you guys this week with the basketball season mercifully, thank God, almost over. Uh, And the pending arrival of spring practice, we're going to be turning our focus heavily towards football once again. I know, right? Uh, Once a coaching decision is made on the hoops front, at that point, we'll revisit basketball for a little bit, but from now through just about the rest of the year, it's football time as far as we're concerned. And today, we're going to begin our spring practice primer series where we are going to preview the storylines and personnel at each position heading into spring practice, which is hard to believe, man. It's right around the corner. It's set to begin just after Georgia's spring break on March 20th. So I think it's the Tuesday after UGA spring break. It'll be March 20th. And today, we're going to open with a look at the offensive line and running back positions. But first, before we get into all of that good football talk, just want to make sure to throw some reminders everyone's away. You guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Don't be shy. Definitely let us know what you think uh, about spring practice and what's going on around the program. If you've got some basketball comments to make. We know a lot of people are upset <laughs> Uh, justifiably so, with Mark Fox and how this season went. So don't be shy there. And also make sure that everyone knows they can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Obviously, you guys listen to us somewhere, but want to make sure you know all the options. You can find us on dogsportsradio.com. So we got started with the show a couple years back. You can download the Dog Sports Radio app straight to your smartphone. That makes it a little easier for you guys. And uh, if you're one of those folks that, that prefers SoundCloud and iTunes, you can definitely find the show there and on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And if you get a chance, we would sincerely appreciate it if you guys would rate and review the show on your preferred platform, especially if you listen to the show on iTunes. Uh, it really kind of helps with exposure and helps to spread the word about the show as we continue to try to bring you guys the content that you want and try to grow the show as much as we can. It's hard to believe how much the show has grown since we got started about three or so years ago. Uh, we are just so grateful for each and every one of you taking time every day to listen to us. So if you do like the show, definitely let everyone know uh, on your preferred platform. All right, let's go ahead and let's talk some ball. Enough of that stuff. Let's talk some football. Uh, And since this is our our first spring practice primer series, we're going to start with the big uglies, the offensive line, and also the running backs. They are up first. Those two positioners kind of go hand in hand. They work in tandem. So we're going to start with them. And and just a heads up here before we get into everything, we are only discussing guys who will actually be participating in spring practice, and we're going to try to keep our discussion limited to spring practice itself. Uh, Once everybody else from the 2018 class gets on campus, we will absolutely bring them into the discussion for fall camp. Uh, I know that's how everyone's talking about it. Everyone's excited about the class. I mean, trust me, so are we. But for now, we're just focusing on the guys that will actually be on the field this spring. And we do have some early enrollees, guys like Cade Mays in the offensive line, uh, guys like Zamir White, who's unfortunately injured at the running back position. So we'll be talking about some of those guys. But if they're not here right now, if they're not going through spring drills, we're just going to pretend that they're not in existence right now. 
Uh, so I just want to make sure we throw that caveat out there so you guys don't think we're being completely negligent and forgetting about certain guys. All right, so Kurt, let's go ahead and get in this, man. Let's start with the offensive line. And I'm going to start with a question that, you know, a couple of years ago, I probably never would have thought that I'd be asking this question after a senior year. But with a guy like Isaiah Wynn, with the year he put up, how he really just created so much stability on our offensive line last year at the left tackle position when in a situation coming into the year where we really didn't know what to expect the left tackle. So how much will we miss a guy like Isaiah Wynn coming into the 2018 season? You know, I think we are going to really miss him because he's, uh, you know, a very important part to our line, especially the left tackle position. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is I think that Andrew Thomas is very capable of coming in there and playing left tackle for us. And I think he's more prototypical of what we actually want to use going forward. Yeah, I, I think we're absolutely going to miss Isaiah. When you, he's a guy, that experience, it's just invaluable. You can't overstate the experience and also the leadership he brought to the table. The, the guy was, I mean, he, seemed like he was one of those guys seemed like he was here for like seven or eight years. Um, and you know he had his ups and downs. You know, he he was a, he was a complete gamer. He moved moved positions multiple times. Worst you know guard tackle, uh, back to guard, back to tackle. Uh, tried his hand at center that didn't work out. So for whatever reason, he really couldn't get the snaps down, which was kind of weird. But hey, he he was basically a jack of all trades for us. But he really kind of came into his own his senior year as left tackle and really kind of solidified that position for us. And you and I were both at least moderately right. Is that fair to say we were moderately concerned coming into the last season about him? But he really responded in, in a huge way for us. So that experience, that leadership you have over there to kind of stabilize the line, that's going to be tough to replace. But is it a stretch to say that Andrew Thomas, if he is indeed the guy that ends up taking over that left tackle job, is it a stretch to say that he might have an, a higher upside than Isaiah Wynn? No, it's honestly not. And I think, um, you know, there's two factors going into it. Um, not, I think Andrew Thomas has all the, you know, all the things you could ask for in someone that played left tackle position. And I also think we, in my opinion, have a secret weapon in someone like Sam Pittman. I mean, like you said, you look at when he bounced around position to position until, um, you know, I mean, he was a guard last year for Pittman, but I think Pittman really worked with him and really got him going. I mean, look at it across the line. Some of these guys at Pittman has really taken from, you know, not even making an impact all of a sudden become impact people. I mean, the players have to buy in themselves, yes. That's why I said it's a two-factor thing. So I have faith that, you know, what Thomas with his work ethic and what he's shown so far, start, you know, being one of the first two freshmen to start for us in a while, so that, especially at a tackle position since John Theus. And you add that with uh, what he sh- what, from what he's shown to what we have in the coach and Sam Pittman, I think that he has everything to be the makeup of, you know, a strong left tackle that could be, you know, a high draft pick when his time came. Absolutely. I, I agree with everything you said there. The only, the only thing I would say, just a little caution here, is that while I totally agree that Andrew Thomas, his, his ultimate ceiling is, I, I believe, higher than Isaiah wins is. However, I don't know if he's ready as a sophomore, and it would be his first year at left tackle if that is indeed where he ends up playing. Will he be ready to play up to the level Isaiah Wynn played last year as a senior? I don't know. Well, I think that is very fair, but and you also got to remember it was practically it took five years for Wynn to get to where he was. Sure. I have to say, at this point in his time, uh, uh, Andrew Thomas is light years ahead of wherever Wynn was as a sophomore. Sure, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. But you're still trying to look at Wynn as a senior. And then Thomas is a sophomore. Will he be able to, to perform the level when as a senior? I, I I don't know the answer to that yet. I, I'm really anxious I, to see. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way he does, but I think the thing is, it's not going to all fall on him because I think 
across the board, our offensive line is going to be so much improved. I mean, we were we really improved this last year, but I think we're going to be so much more balanced on the offensive line that there's really not going to be many holes when it comes to our offensive line that all the pressure is not going to be on him. Yeah, that's fair. I, I honestly don't know the answer to my own question. Like, will he be playing at the same level as Isaiah Wynn? I, I mean, I probably lean towards no at this point because Wynn played really, really well as a senior. Really, as I said, kind of solidified the offensive line there. Uh, and really kind of filled in for us. We didn't we didn't know if we had an answer at left tackle coming there. We really had no idea. Uh, but he really did a great job there. So I, I, I think I, it'd be hard to for me to ex- just expect a sophomore who's playing left tackle for the first time to automatically and you know initially just jump in and start playing the level win play that. But I'm not saying it's out of the question either. I'm not counting it out. I I want to see what he looks like in spring practice. I want to see what he looks like during fall camp, and then we can maybe make some some more uh, accurate. Uh, evaluations, but I, I think it's possible. I just it's hard. I have a hard time saying you're saying, yeah, he's going to be just as good as Isaiah Wynn at this point without no, without actually seeing yeah, what it looks like. Honestly, I mean, I don't see him playing to level when, especially when he saw his great, you know, his grading and stuff. That almost every yeah. game he had high grades. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be to that level yet. But I'm not, I don't think there's going to be such a drop off that like we've had the last couple of years sure. at the tackle position. I think that's fair. I don't think, yeah, if there is a drop off, it's not going to be significant. I it's not going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be significant. It's yeah. gonna, I mean, it'll be a little bit here and there. He may get, give up a few more sacks than him, but at the same time, I so I actually think that Thomas may be better when it came to run blocking himself. Well, he's just a bigger guy. He's a bigger guy. He's longer. I mean, he had, he had, he's he's more of a prototypical left tackle than what Isaiah Wynn is. Yeah, see, Wynn was really good at moving his feet, especially when he didn't have to deal with a bull rusher. Wynn really excelled at that position. So I think there may be one, you know, in pass blocking, just especially this year, that there may be some times where, you, you know, you have a little bit of a drop-off from Wynn. But I think if it was coming to road grading when we were needing some yards and stuff, I think that there may actually be a little bit of an upgrade. It's fair, absolutely fair. All right, next next thing we're going to focus on for a second is you know spring practice. This is a time for guys to typically either solidify position, you know, based on the performance from previous seasons, or for some guys, it's also an opportunity for reserves and and or like you no know, newcomers, guys, maybe early enrollees like like a, like a Trey Hill to make a move up the depth chart, kind of make a name for themselves, and kind of announce that hey, we're coming for this job too. And those are the guys I want to focus on just for a minute here. So, Kurt, of the, 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 the backups or reserves from last year and, and some of the newcomers as well, guys like Cade Mays pushing for jobs, what I, I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a couple names at you here. I want you to tell me which one you think is most likely to break into the starting lineup by the end of spring practice. I'm not talking about game one. I'm talking about putting themselves in a position to be in the starting lineup by the end of spring practice. So the first group I got, I got three guys here. got Isaiah Wilson, Cade Mays, or Demarcus Hayes, a guy people have forgotten about. Juco coming in from last year. He'll be back, though, again this year. So Isaiah Wilson, Cade Mays, Demarcus Hayes. Of those three, Curtis, which one would you expect at this point to be most likely to break into the starting lineup? I want to go with Wilson because all you hear about him, especially the last part of the season, is you heard how he got his body right. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that held him back was getting his body into the, you know, the right shape and everything. Yeah, that was essentially what he spent the entire first year doing. Yeah, and, and, and acclimating started hearing it, and if you saw pictures of him, I mean, you started to you saw. I mean, you saw a completely different person from when it's he night first day. You see, when you see him around town now, it's night and day from what he looked like when he first came in. And then not only that, but if it really came down to it, if anyone could play a guard position, it would be him between those three. Between him, Mays, and Hayes, 
Yeah, because he did get some reps there this past season and practice and things like that. So he's got some type of experience with doing it. So if anyone was going to do it, I think he's versed. I mean, he he, he has the body and this makeup to be successful at a guard position and also at that right tackle position, which is what he's going to be trying to win that position. So I think just his ability to be able to play both those positions will put himself in a better position to at least lock down some type of position. Yeah, so you're you're taking Wilson over Mays, you know, big five-star. They're both a big-time five-star recruits. Wilson, obviously, out of New York. He's a big-time guy that we landed. year under Pittman, I mean, you see a lot of these kids, they make their biggest jump in year two under Pittman, which you see in a lot of kids anyways. Year two is where you see a huge jump. And so I see this, you know, that... that yeah, you're right thinking about the year two jump. You're talking guys like Ben Cleveland, even like a guy like Isaiah Wynn. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. I mean, Demarcus Hayes, I mean, he, he's older than these kids, so I mean, there's, he can only get so much better, but someone like Wilson, who is so raw and untapped, he, I mean, you just don't... I mean, but, He's got you every know, tool you'd want. For him, really. And I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I think Wilson, I, I would take... As a guy over those, I wouldn't be surprised if Mays at some point made a push, but it's so early and his head's going to be spinning. I, I would be surprised if he was in the starting lineup by the end of spring practice. Now, by the time the the first game rolls around, I mean that's a, that's another story, maybe. But he's got he's got so much to learn. Where you're right, Wilson and Hayes already have a leg up on him being in the system for a year and understanding Pittman's coaching and technique and things of that nature. So I would probably give Wilson the edge I mean, over Mays. I'll give Wilson the edge over Hayes. I think he's just a more talented player. He's just a better prospect than Hayes is. Yeah, if I had to do a ranking, I would do Wilson, Mays, then Hayes. Honestly, because you didn't hear enough out of Hayes this past year to really make you think if he's really a serious I really heard nothing about him from anybody I knew on the program. I heard very little about him. And that's the thing. You heard nothing about him. You heard a lot about Wilson, and you heard nothing about Hayes. So that makes me think, you know, maybe he really was I mean, Wilson was also more highly touted, so his name was already on the tip of people's tongues. There was the, I mean, there was you know chatter that Wilson, or, I mean, the Hayes could push for a position. I mean, he was the JUCO guy. Someone, well, you we, a lot of people, I, myself included, thought he might be the guy at left tackle coming into last season because hey, why yeah, would you recruit him for, if not? Yeah, because you don't recruit JUCOs to register. No, I mean, that's you just recruit the idea they're going to play. Yeah, and so I mean that's the thing. I mean, it, when it, when you really came down to it through practice and fall practice and summer and everything with all the depth charts, Hayes never made a move. He didn't. And and you could say, okay, well, yeah, well, Wilson was going to take his tongue because he was a highly rated recruit. But think about a guy like Matt Landers. I know it's a different position, but receiver, he wasn't a highly rated guy, but we heard a lot of chatter yeah, about him from folks on the program. His class, ranking-wise. Yeah, we heard a lot of chatter about him and how well he was progressing and how he was tearing it up at practice. Didn't hear the same kind of thing about DeMarcus Hayes. So I, I just, I don't know if I have, I mean, he's a good depth piece. I just don't know if he's ever going to be a major contender. We'll see. I'm not going to count him out, but I don't know. All right, next group here. We're going to focus on the guard position. Uh, Tory Johnson, Trey Hill, or Justin Schaefer. Of those three guys, reserves and or newcomers, which one do you think is most likely to potentially break in the starting lineup by the end of spring practice? I would go with Schaefer because, um, you know, Hill Hill to me is in the same same thing of what happened to Solomon Kinley his freshman year. His body was just not there. Hill really does need a red shirt because he's just – he has everything that needs to play a guard or something like that, but his body is just nowhere near. I mean, dude is about well, – I think like 360, 65 coming in to – uh, coming into UGA as, as an early yeah, enrolling in January, too that's big too much. And too slow on his feet at this time. That I think if he was able to cut weight and and not and here's the thing too, people have to realize. I mean, look at Wilson. Wilson cut weight last year, but he had a problem with keeping that weight down. So, you know, with Hill, he needs to not only cut, but he needs to you know keep it down for a length of time. Sustain, so, sustain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then I go with Schaefer over Johnson because I don't know how many people, you know, it's not a known thing, but Johnson had a problem staying out of trouble last year with the coaching staff. You know, there was a couple times where he, you know, especially on the road or things like that, that he, you know, he was not dressing out. Yeah, 
I, that's 100 percent true. It's kind of been on the down low. It's not public knowledge, but there were. Oh, and it was yeah. not, it wasn't anything major. It was just little minor, you know, attitude yeah, it, type it wasn't things. Like suspensions for drugs or anything. It was just you know, it, it was it was conduct. And stuff it was just like typical that. freshman it, stuff where you got to come in, you got to acquainted to the system, and Kirby Smart's you gotta, demanding. You gotta get recruited. And yeah, stuff it's, like it's that, that whole process. And not everyone responds to the recruitment process as well as as others, and he and had he, to work on that a little bit. And not only that, but I mean, even if he hadn't got in trouble, if you look at almost every road game we went to. Schaefer was dressed out. Well, and look, I'm not trying. I'm not. I, I, I know it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm, but I told you, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But I told you that I, I was high on Schaefer over Johnson for one. I mean, I don't want to say it's an attitude reason, but I, I think Schaefer is just—he's a bigger guy. He's more physical. Uh, and watching them play in high school at Cedar Grove, I thought Schaefer dominated more than Tory did. Now Schaefer doesn't have the athleticism that that, that, that Tory Johnson has. No doubt, he does not have that level of, of athleticism. But he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's more consistent. At least he was I, in high yeah, school. To me, to me, what I've seen, it seems like Schaefer's a little bit more driven because he doesn't have all that athletic ability at his disposal. He has to work for it. It's just, yeah, it's kind of like the typical, you know, under-recruited three-star recruit that no one ever talks about, and they had to work their tails off to get where they got, as opposed to the guy who was a, and Tory wasn't a five-star guy, but he was a highly recruited four-star guy once upon a time coming to Alabama. Um, and I don't say things came easy for him, but when you're just that naturally gifted, you don't necessarily have to grind as much as a guy like Justin Schaefer to get yours. And Schaefer had to grind, so he's got that coming into. I think you're better served was as one of those guys who had to grind through high school to make you make a name for yourself, as opposed to just kind of coast off your your raw athleticism. So Schaefer came in last year and just better prepared to handle the rigors of of a college program. And Johnson had to adjust. And I, and I, was, and I have I still have really high hopes for Notori Johnson. I think the guy he's a great athlete, can be a really good player. I just don't know if he's going to be as ready as Justin Schaefer this coming year. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's and, and you're right on Trey Hill and all the counts. I think all right, I'm really high on Trey Hill. I mean, he was highly rated for a reason. He's he's got an a, a, he's got elite strength, elite uh, power in, in the drive blocking game. But he's got it. He, he let his I don't say he didn't let himself go and say that. But he was he was out of shape. He's got to re he's got to adjust his body. He's got to move some weight around, and he will. He absolutely 100 percent will. Just like. Julian Rochester had to do that a couple years back, and he totally did it. And Trey Hill's going to do it. Trey Hill's going to be fine. But right now, I think Justin Schaefer of those three is probably best equipped to potentially uh, break into the starting lineup by the end of the spring practice. I'm not saying he will, but of those three, I'll go with Schaefer. All right, so let's uh, let's take Wilson. You had in our first group, you had Wilson, Isaiah Wilson. In the second group, you had Justin Schaefer. So of those two guys, Isaiah Wilson and Justin Schaefer, which one do you expect to push more to break into the starting lineup by the time spring practice is over? So Wilson, Schaefer, and who? Or Wilson, just Wilson and Schaefer. Take the two winners of those groups. Uh, Wilson, because I think the fact is that the position's open at right tackle. It's completely open yeah. at right tackle. Schaefer's going to have to jump over, folks. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to jump over some starters or people who have game time experience there where Wilson does not. Yeah, and I I, just, I do want to say this about Schaefer. I know we have a lot of elite guys coming in the, on the offensive line. you got you still got them, Torrey Johnson. Uh, you got Trey Hill, you got Jamari Sire coming in, but again, do not discount Justin Schaefer, guys. I watched this guy play a lot in high school. I know it was high school; it was a couple years ago. It's a different animal in college, but this guy impressed me every single time I saw him. I was always more, feel way more impressed with him than I was with Tory Johnson. Uh, I, he's a big guy; he's a road grading type guy on the on the inside who could absolutely kind of fit what. Uh, what we want to do offensively and kind of uh, kind of fit Sam Pittman's ideal of those big interior offensive line that he had going back to his Arkansas days. So I, I'm not going to say he's going to end up taking the job over anyone, but I just I'm going to say don't discount him whatsoever. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, all right, Curse. Let's look here. Uh, four starters return. We know that Isaiah Wilson, uh, Isaiah Win, I should say, is the one guy that's leaving. But there's going to likely be at least a little shuffling. Like we mentioned at the outset, it appears as though Andrew Thomas is going to switch sides and get that at least the first crack at filling in at left tackle for the departing Isaiah Wynn. 
How do you anticipate that transition going from? We talked about him a little bit. Do you really anticipate him playing as well as he did? I mean, he he wasn't perfect, but as for a freshman playing right tackle, I thought he did a, a really good job last year. Do you anticipate him being or taking that next step as a left tackle, even though it's a new position? I do. Because you can tell how serious he was. I mean, even before the national championship game, he was already talking about how he, as soon as that game's over, come that Tuesday, he'll he's the left tackle. So I mean, it's one of these guys that you can tell he's up to the challenge. He's looking forward to it, and he wants to do whatever it takes to get better. Do you anticipate any growing pains for him at that position? Because it is oh, different. It's totally. It is. It is very different from right tackle. Yes, they're both tackles, it but it's very, a different. It is different very animal. different. But he's also got a whole. He's got a whole year to work on it. I mean, you, you got to think about. It. He wasn't an early enrollee last year. This kid enrolled in the summer and won that position. Which I, which is just insane. He was able to do that. I mean, and so the, I mean, that's the thing. It shows what type of player he is, what kind of ethic he has, and what these coaches think about him. So if that guy could come in and win the right tackle position ahead of guys who have been there before him and stuff, and only and realistically, he won that position in about two months. So yeah. I think that just shows what he's capable of. And I think you give him an entire off season with Coach Pittman and all the other people working with him. I think he's. I think. I mean, you'll see some growing pains. Of course, it'd be crazy. I think there wouldn't, but I think he's the guy for the job. I agree. I think he's going to be, uh, I think he'd be a star there for at least the next two years. And probably that's it. Cause then he'll probably be going after that. Uh, if things go according to plan, of course. Uh, all right. So if Thomas is able to make that successful transition left tackle, like we all hope he does, that obviously leaves the right tackle position as the one wide open position on the offensive line. So if you had to handicap it right now, you're talking about Isaiah Wilson, how you expect him to make a push. Is he the guy that you 100% are going to get the edge to at this point? For that right, tackle right ta- at right tackle Yeah, that right tackle job. Um, I mean, I think he'll go in as the penciled-in number one guy on the depth chart going into practice. Now, that may change because, I mean, we've seen how many times in the past. I mean, there were times where Kendall Baker was penciled in at number one at the left tackle and things like that. So things change, but I think when it comes first day of spring practice that he'll be the guy uh, um, with the first-team reps up there at the right tackle position. Who do you see being, see being his biggest competition to hold on to that Cade Mays? Yeah, I think Cade Mays is very Got polished, uh, especially compared to where Wilson was at his time when he came in um, as a freshman. And I think that, you know, he's he's a hard worker and everything, so I think he's going to be the biggest competition. That's, that that battle, not just in spring practice, and that's what we're talking about right now, but from spring practice all the way through fall camp, that's going to be one to watch, that right tackle job, because Wilson and Mays are going to battle it out. They absolutely 100% are. Right now, I probably would lean into, again, not look, we, I haven't seen Wilson play since his high school. We, we have no idea we, how, how much he improved from year one to year two. We, we know his weight looks better. We know his body looks better. He's kind of readjusted uh, where the weight is in his body. Uh, he's gotten better shape, acclimated to the weather, the climate here. But in terms of his ability on the field we haven't seen it so it's hard for me to fully say but just basing what we know off Wilson from high school Mays from high school Mays is he's a great athlete himself I think Wilson might have a slightly higher ceiling potentially I I really want to see both these out on the field if I can really make an accurate evaluation but just by virtue of the fact that Wilson's been here for a year I think that's got to give him a little bit of a leg up now it didn't really give guys a leg up against Andrew Thomas last year but with all things, uh, everything else being equal, I'm going to go with Wilson just for that fact. And I, he'll probably be able to hold on to that through spring practice, I would imagine. Fall camp's a different story. We'll see how things progress by that point. But I think it's definitely Wilson and Mays there. Does DeMarcus Hayes factor in at all for you at right tackle? Uh, I think he may be a guy that's competing, you know, competing with, you know, air quotes around the word competing with uh, Thomas at left tackle. Could you see a guy like Ben Cleveland potentially get another look at right tackles? Because I know he got inserted at right guard last year, finally late in the season. But 
Most of spring, almost all of fall, the guy was working at right tackle. Do we give him another look at that position or we keep him at right guard? I think you keep him at right guard because the fact of the matter is he really, you know, he really came into his own right there and he may he may look, especially, uh, you know, you see what you see with Wynn and things like that, that he may have a future and be able to make big bucks at guard position. Yeah, I, I've always said all along that I think Ben Cleveland's much better fit at guard. I, I never thought he had the footwork to play either tackle position, especially left tackle, even right tackle. I don't think necessarily know he has the footwork there, but he's a road grading type at, at guard. Now, he, now there were some moments like this against Alabama, and of course, this Alabama's elite defensive front we're talking about where he got blown up. He's got to work on that. He's got to play with better leverage. He's got to play... Uh, he's got to get he's got to get his hands on the defenders quicker than they get their hands on him. So he's got some some things to clean up, but he's definitely got the potential to be a rogue grading type guy at the guard position. So yeah, I would lean towards keeping him there, but we'll have to just see how it plays out and kind of see how we who our best five are and figure out a way to mix and match them and get those guys out there. Uh, next question here for the offensive line before we transition to the running backs. So we've got four of the five stars coming back. Of those four incumbent starters, Kurt, whose hold on his position? would you say is most precarious entering spring practice? Definitely Kendall Baker. Yeah, it's, it's that easy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not much. I mean, Baker's a good, solid player. He did a good job for us last year. But in terms of just like your physical abilities uh, and just overall talent level, I think he's a notch below the other guys. Um, he, again, he did a good job for us, but I don't think he has the upside of a Ben Cleveland or an Andrew Thomas uh, or even a Lamont Gilliard. I mean, and, and changing centers, that's a, that's just such a tough thing to do. But Gilliard's even done a better – he did a better job, I think, for the most part, most of the year than Baker did last year. And I'm not sitting here saying that Baker's going to lose his job, but if I had to pick one of those guys who's probably most vulnerable, I would probably lean towards it being Baker. But uh, I'm sure that he's going to fight his tail off to keep that job. There's no doubt about it. Do you see Solomon Kinley factoring back in the equation at all? As a guy who started most of the year last year up until that, that Auburn game. Do yeah, you see, I see him factoring? Any, yeah, especially when it comes to this spring. I think if anyone's going to battle Baker, because honestly, in my opinion, between the two, Cleveland is better than Baker. So if you're going to. What's upside is significantly higher than what Baker's is. Yeah, and uh, and that's and that's the thing. So if there was any truly going to be a battle, I think Kinley would have a better opportunity with battling with uh, Baker if he wanted to truly win a position. I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. I hate agreeing with you all the time, but, man, you, you're on it. All right, let's transition to the running back position here for a few minutes. So, obviously, offensive line, running back, they kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. They work as a tandem more often than not. And replacing Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, but re- replacing both these guys. I mean, Nick Chubb, who is second all-time in rushing in the SEC, fifth all-time in the SEC in touchdowns. Uh, Sonny Michelle, who I, I firmly believe could have done all of that if he had the carries that Nick had, if he was the guy the first couple years. Uh, both guys, Sony and Nick, they finished their careers averaging over six yards a carry. And it's not only what they did on the field, but obviously the incredible leadership they brought to the table off the field as well, all those intangibles. Uh, and, Kurt, you know, we always recruit lights out of the running back position. We do. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we're running back you. It's, it's, just, it's just the truth, man. But how confident are you in our ability to replace that type of production leadership in 2018? Um, I actually am honestly very – I am very encouraged because I think the fact of the matter is that you heard it from a lot of these guys is that, you know, we did lose some upperclassmen, but I think they instilled something that even these younger guys are really going to pick up on. And, you know, you – I mean – Well, guys like the, Nick and Sony, the the upperclassmen, those leaders, they set the, the tone. They established what the future guys need to do moving forward, and hopefully the other guys learn from them. Hopefully. And I and I really think they will, and I and I think one thing people also forget about is yeah, Sony and Nick were leaders, but I mean especially Sony in their junior year, they weren't leaders that 
you know that they they were leaders, but not like what Kirby and what this team really. Well, saw they were all the leaders team. by example. They didn't have the vocal aspect to it yet, or not as yeah, much as Kirby, I mean, Kirby brought was out, out of them. there. Kirby was begging for them to you know step up and be the vocal leaders. Actually, because I mean, um, you got and and I think that's what this team really saw, and I think you're gonna see it coming forward. And I, I think I mean, and we're not, yeah, we'll be young, but I mean, you still got two juniors and a sophomore who got a lot of PT and got a lot of experience w- working behind these guys, seeing what they were and how they do it and the right way to do it. I mean, Nick and Sony 100% set the standard, uh, at least the standard according to Kirby Smart and what Kirby Smart expects the standard to be with our new culture. And they, they, they helped us establish that culture. And that's the hard part, establishing the culture, establishing that standard with a new head coach. That's the tough part. Once it's been established, now you've got to carry on the torch, there's no doubt. But like you said, they set the standard. Those guys see how they work. They see what those guys do day in, day out, on the field, off the field, how they, how they, uh, how they handle adversity, how they carry themselves, all of those things, how they work. And you got to feel like that at least rubbed off to, to some degree. Yeah, like you said, I think the hard, like you, I think you made a good point saying creating the culture is the hardest thing. But once you have it, then it's easier. It's just to... ma- it's maintenance. Is all it is. It's maintenance. Yeah. And it, you got to keep the fire burning. But I I firmly believe that Kirby Smart yeah, and I mean, company losing that that last game is tough as it was. You know, it puts extra coal in the fire sure. and makes yeah. them want to be leaders just that much more because they hate that feeling. Absolutely, hundred percent. It's like Alabama after losing to Clemson. You know, it's just. And Clemson losing Alabama. Stokes of fire. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, we're the next one in that chain. We'll see. Uh, all right, so as the leading returning rusher with 618 yards, uh, averaging, dude, a crazy 7.6 yards a carry. DeAndre Swift, he looks to be the next man up as the lead back. But there's a caveat there. This is a guy that's only five foot nine. He's a little bit different than, the, than any of the other guys in our recent string of elite running backs. If you look at guys like Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and Todd Gurley, all those guys going back to Noshawn Marino. And we used Swift a little bit differently last year than our other guys. We got him on the edges. We got him in space a lot with speed sweeps, outside, uh, outside zone stretches, screens. Do you think Swift is a guy that can consistently handle the load between the tackles as a feature back in the type of power-based system that we typically like to feature? You know, I, I, it's not that I don't think he can. I think I do think Swift can. I gotta say, the one thing that does worry me is that Swift showed a little bit of of trouble securing the ball. There were some times, that, yeah. And if you and, look at the number I, of carries he had versus the number of times the ball was on the ground, that's fair. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, I I am not saying I think he can take the beating, but I I do worry about his ball security. And I think once he gets that under control, I think he could be very good going between the tackles and things. Because the one, I mean, you saw it with Nick, look how big Nick Chubb is. I mean, Nick Nick ran a faster forty times than Sony. But Sony was the better running back between the tackles when you really get down to it because it's not about how big you are, or how fast you are. It's about how you use your body, how you get how you get leverage. small. Yeah, leverage, how you, you get small to go through the holes. Um, you know, foot speed, lateral foot speed to cut and things like that. And so I think Swift has all of those things that can still make you successful between the tackles. In answering this question, I think there's one. There's a distinction we have to make here. DeAndre Swift at five nine is short. He is short. But he's not small. To me, those are two different things. The dude is 215 pounds in a 5'9 frame. He is thick, okay? DeAndre Swift is not a small guy. He's just short. You get what I'm saying here? Like, it's, yeah. like he's not a guy that, oh, my God, he's going to get broken. He's not like Isaiah McKenzie, where every time he got hit, you're like, oh, my God, the dude's going to get broken in half. That's not yeah, who he is. That's not that is No, that's not him at all. No, so, yeah, he's short, okay? Yes, no doubt. I mean, you and I saw him at the basketball game last week. Uh, up like we still like right next to him. He's short, dude. He's shorter than me, and I'm not very tall. 
but he is 100% not a small guy. He's thick for a guy that size. I mean, to be 215 in a 5'9 frame, you're not a small guy. So I honestly have no and, – and in some ways, I like shorter guys that run between the tackles because, they're honestly, they get lost in the shuffle. They really do. Some of those bigger linebackers, they have a harder time seeing those guys. They use their vision. They get lost in the shuffle. And you, you play with a low you, – you play you play lower than the defenders already because you're just shorter. So you have that leverage advantage already. So I have no issue with him being able to handle between the tackles. Now, we didn't, we definitely didn't see him do it consistently last year because that wasn't his role. We had we had Nick and Sonya to handle those jobs. We, we used him – we tried to get him on the field doing different things. But just because we didn't have him do it consistently doesn't mean that he can't do it. Now, is he a prototype, prototype guy between the tackles? Probably not, right? But still, that doesn't mean that he cannot handle that. Uh, but, but the fact is, do you see him having to handle the ball 25 times a game next no, year? We'll, we'll realistically have five guys. Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, Zeus, Amir White, you know, big five star recruit coming out of high school, is still going to be nursing an ACL injury. He's not going to, he's on campus. He's an early enrollee, but he's not going to be practicing, unfortunately. It really sucks. Um, we're going to be actually short on tailbacks. We have three three scholarship guys, right? That'll be with uh, Harrion, Swift, and Holyfield. But um, And I know we're, we're, try, we're just focused on spring practice. So we're not going to talk too much about Zeus here. We'll talk about him, obviously, when we roll into fall camp. But that, that definitely would have helped. But I don't. I, I agree that I don't think he's going to be a 25-carry a type guy. we got plenty of guys back there. So talking about the guys that we do have that are going to be participating in spring practice along with DeAndre Swift at the running back position. Who do you see providing the biggest challenge to Swift during the spring? Is it going to be Harrion or is it going to be Holyfield? It's going to be Holyfield. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this is nothing new. We, 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 this is a question we got essentially every single week during the season on our mailbag shows. And why isn't Holyfield getting in carries above Harrion? And my answer is always, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know because every time I see him play, it's clear to me that Holyfield's a better back. Not that Harrion's not good. Holyfield's just, just a little bit better. So what is it about Holyfield that you think gets on the edge over Harrion? Um, to me, he's smarter. He has better field vision he has better cutting ability the jump um, cut he has is freaking nasty yeah and, and that's I something mean, Harry and, and he hasn't shown the ability it, to do that jump cut is amazing and like I said going back to his, his vision his vision is what makes him so good and what makes Harrion so you know yeah. that holds Harrion back because Harrion he remind, he's a Brendan Douglas just a smaller version of Brendan Douglas sees the hole and runs he doesn't he doesn't and he head doesn't down he like he seeks contact essentially yeah he seeks contact I mean there's so many times and, and, and he still and when he first came out of high school and this is one of the things he still has that high school mentality that as soon as you hit the hole he tries to balance it outside and you can't always do that especially when you get to the higher levels like college and, and pro you don't always, you know, try to get to the hole and look to bounce outside. No, you try to just you cut and make people miss and do things like that. Yeah. Where, where Harry and just he doesn't he just lacks the polish. Yeah, you have, at the college level, sometimes you have to as a running back, you have to embrace the idea that a three to four yard carry is a positive play. Not every play is going to be a home run play, and you have to kind of get that beaten. And maybe with more carries that that'll come. But you're right; he does have a tendency to try to bounce it mean, outside. He, he does try to see contact. Than, he has more carries than Holyfield. He does. I, I, and yet Holyfield still shows the pace. And, and that's the thing, too. Holyfield has great patience. Stays behind his blockers. Where Harry, as soon as he gets the ball, he doesn't wait for a hole. He doesn't wait for his blockers. He just goes straight at it, like you said, seeks out the contact. Where Holyfield will stay patient, lays back there, lets his blockers do his things, then shoots through holes. Or I love open. Elijah Holyfield. I, I obviously love the guy. I, I think he has everything that it takes to be an elite college running back. I think he's got, like you said, great vision. 
And I talk about the jump cut. The jump cut only matters if you have good vision. If you see the hole, you, you don't just jump cut randomly. You see the hole, and then you jump cut, and you explode out of that jump cut, which is what he does. He's got the explosion. Uh, he's got the short area quickness. Uh, he's got the agility. He runs with, and he's not a huge guy, but he runs hard. And so does Herring, but Holyfield runs with great power. He has the ability to break tackles, turn three or five-yard plays into ten-yard plays. I love everything about the guy. I, I, tr- I am a big-time Elijah Holyfield fan. I think this guy's gonna be a big time player for this this year. I mean, nobody really wants to talk about. I mean, they were talking for a long time. He might be a transfer uh, candidate. Maybe he will down the road. I don't know. And as excited as I am about about Zamir White and Cook and all these guys in Swift, I'm equally as excited about Elijah Holyfield. I really am. I, I think this guy can be a beast. Um, my next question for you relating to Elijah Holyfield is, is this: Are we wrong and just flat out assume that DeAndre Swift is gonna be the number one running back next year? Can Holyfield make a legitimate push to be that number one guy? Versatility may be the only thing that helps uh, Swift a little bit more about, especially third down situations and stuff like that. Catching the ball in the backfield, he's shown a little bit more than what Holyfield can do. But um, I think that I'm not. I, I don't think it'll be like twenty to ten carries. No, it could be you know fifteen to ten, sixteen to fifteen. You know, very similar amounts of carries. Yeah, I think we're going to use. I think we're going to use Swift in similar ways that we used him last year. Although I think James Cook, when he comes in, might get a lot of those looks. Uh, that Swift got last year. He's that kind of. I mean, Swift. I mean, Cook is almost. I mean, he's technically listed as a running back, and he is. But the guy could easily be a slot receiver too. I mean, he's almost interchangeable between those positions. So he could do a couple different things for us. Uh, I look for Swift to definitely get more uh, more carries than he did last year between the tackles, being like a true every down type back. But I think Holyfield could be a, a co number one. I really believe that. And we'll have to see how how Zamir White comes back from the injury. I don't know when he'll be ready, or if he should be ready at some point in the year. But when he is ready, uh, you know, w- w- what point will he be ready? And when he is ready, how how healthy is he going to be? Like, how much of his old self is he actually going to be? Uh, so if he's not 100% healthy, I think outside of Swift, Holyfield's our next best back, and that includes. I mean, I know we're not talking about these guys are not really here yet, but even James Cook once he gets on campus, I like Elijah Holyfield better than him as a running back. So. I, I, I could definitely foresee a situation where Swift and Holyfield are kind of like a one-two punch like Nick and Sonny were last year. And I think that's what Kirby wants. I don't think we want a, a 25, 30 carry, like one lead back kind of guy. Um, I don't think that's the model we're going for. So I, I think Holyfield might very well this year end up being that code number one type guy getting 10 to 15 carries a game. Uh, and I think this spring is where he makes his move and kind of solidifies himself. Now, apparently he's going to have to jump over Harry because for whatever reason, Harry has been over. You know, going back to their, their freshman season and their fall camp, Holyfield was ahead of Harry at that point. I remember watching the open practice there, and Holyfield was lighting it up, and he was killing it. I thought he was the best back on the field that day. Um, but then he, he hurts his ankle. Uh, and obviously, Harry gets, gets some snaps in that, that uh, opening game at the Dome against North Carolina. Played well. First carry was a touchdown. Is that right? I think so. I think so for Harry. And, and he never – and so kind of had him in that position over Holyfield. But I think Holyfield certainly made a case for himself last year to get some more playing time. And I think he's going to make even more of a case for himself this spring. So I'm very excited to see how much he progresses as well. But I think we'll be okay at running back. I'm not too concerned about that, honestly. I think we've got plenty of bodies there and some really good candidates. The offensive line is probably going to be a little bit better this year. Um, even losing Isaiah Wynn, having another year in the system, everybody getting a year older, hopefully a year better. All right, guys, well, that does it for us today here on the Glory J Podcast and the inaugural edition of our spring practice primer here. So thanks for joining us today on the show. We definitely appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to us. If you get a chance, give us a rating review on your preferred platform. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.